Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and good evening, and welcome. I've got a brilliant guest tonight. I'm actually, I think this is going to be super relevant and really, really exciting for for many of you to hear from uh, Joanna tonight. Now, Joanna is the CEO of the company Moneypenny. It's got 21,000 business clients in the United Kingdom and 5,000 clients overseas. Built a brilliant business that turns over in the region of about 50 million pounds a year, serving businesses and showing them how to run the front end of their business. And we'll come back to that in just a second. I'll tell you why I feel that's so important and why you're going to want to really be listening carefully and asking questions tonight because I think it can really benefit you in a big way. Now, across the journey of building this business, Joanna didn't actually start the business. She started working within the business and has worked her out the ladder and took over as CEO. And since she took over as CEO in the last four years, has doubled the size of the business. Yes, doubled it. So I really, really want to ask Joanna a bit more about that and find out what that was like, how she was able to do that. Now, Moneypenny is a company. What it is they do is they deal with the front end communication of businesses. So they sort of deal with live chat, uh, telephone answering services, and keeping in touch with your clients and actually making sure that inquiries are coming in, they're being dealt with in the right way. And this is something that I absolutely 100% feel that some businesses don't get right. In fact, I know of many businesses, and you can tell me in the comments if you could be a little bit guilty of this yourself at times, of the businesses that actually get inquiries and don't go back to them or moan they've got too many or they've got an inbox full of inquiries and they're like, oh, how do I handle these? And they don't quite get it dealt with. So I think it's really, really important. I think it's going to be a good chat tonight. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring in uh, Joanna, and we're going to hear from Joanna all about business. So welcome, Joanna. Thanks for coming on and joining us this evening. How are you doing? It's a pleasure. Thanks for letting me be in the chair tonight. (laughs) In the chair, that's right. Well, thanks for coming on. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted you on as a guest is because of that aspect as you deal with the front end of the business and, and how important that is to make sure we get that right in terms of how we deal with clients. But as I've got to learn a bit more about yourself and a bit more about your story, I think it's really, really interesting that you started working within this business in a sales role and have elevated your way all the way to the top. So I want to hear a bit more about that as a gay review. <laughs> I'm sure our viewers would like to hear about that too as well. So, you know, why don't you give a just a short introduction? Tell us about you, maybe about the company, and then we can kick off and tell us a little bit about your journey. And being that you started as a salesperson, I'd love to hear about the importance of sales for you and how that plays a key role in, in people's success. Oh, fantastic. Well, there's a lot to tick off there, isn't there? So let's go through the list, shall we? Let's start off with Who's Money Penny. So we're looking after, like you said before, about 25, 26,000 clients across the US and in the UK, 
from very, very small one-person bands right through to multinational switchboards, big legal firms and everything in the middle. And, um, and it's very simple. Everyone has one person they know and trust, so it's your own PA, just to look after causes if they're based sat with you in your office, which given the environment that we're all in now and how everyone's embraced outsourcing, it's a very different environment for us. So we expanded into the States about four years ago with a significant acquisition in February, just before lockdown. We literally signed the paperwork on a multi-million dollar deal. It was a really great answering service in Atlanta. Got back on the plane at the end of February, expecting to be back there in March. And lo and behold, we got back there in November. But uh, the team did a great job, transition, bringing it all together. So a little bit about the states there. We also had an acquisition of a online company formation, Made Simple Group. So if you wanted a limited company, people would go through to there. We have about 1,200 people. We're a Sunday Times Best 100 company to work for. So let's talk about culture later as well. And like you say, I started right in sales. But the first piece is that I was one of those people who was missing phone calls. And my (laughs) mum said to me when I had my own, own business and it was failing, and she said, for goodness sake, go and get a proper job for a bit. I found this telephone answering company. I was thinking, God, if I'd have been able to use that for my business, you know, maybe I wouldn't have failed. So I totally got it. I was able to, you know, walk in the shoes of a very, very small business at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about outsourcing and how outsourcing has become so, so important. And, you know, having run a, a very large business myself, we didn't outsource anything. We did everything in-house. And, and with the business I run now, we certainly look to outsource because if you can get a job done more efficiently, uh, more cost effectively, you know, and certainly you save yourself some time. It's definitely very valuable. And I think something that business owners, you know, and certainly the ones watching tonight, you can tell us, you know, a lot of people have this transition, especially really early when they've got to go and get their first employee and they get very, very nervous or they get their first few employees and they don't really know how to build the business and, and, and they're really doing everything themselves, wearing 20 hats and finding it really, really difficult uh, to run their businesses. And very simply bringing someone in. I've seen success with my, like with my clients. I've got so many clients in my gold circle group that have gone and outsourced as their first step as well. And it's been really, really, really successful for them just being able to get things a bit more managed so they can focus on the stuff that's important for them. So I'm definitely a big believer in it. Um, I think the fact that that's a massive journey, isn't it? Going from a one-person army to having 26,000 clients and 1,200 employees. Have you been a part of that? You've been there. How long have you been in this business now? I've been there 16 years. So when I joined, there was the founders, Ed and Rachel, brother and sister, with an absolutely cracking idea. And about 20 And a brilliant years. brand as well. I love the brand oh, name. Isn't it just the perfect name, you know? That is... I mean, if you want to talk branding from a what a brilliant brand name. So, you know, hats off to them on that. That's something that I, you know, you can really recognize as very clever. Yeah. Mm. No, and they I was really lucky that throughout my entire career at Moneypenny, I've been able to build on those solid foundations that Ed and Rachel put down right from the beginning. Been really lucky that it was came from a very small business and then sixteen years just in different positions. And like I said to you earlier, didn't I? My, it feels like my job's changed every six months. If you, For all of the people out there that are in growing businesses, particularly when you draw the org chart from the start and it's got your name on every single job, hasn't it? <laughs> and as you scale and grow, you're giving those jobs to other people. 
Number one, you've got to find the right people and trust them. Mm. And secondly, there are lots of different ways now to actually make that happen. You don't have to employ them all yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you started in sales. When we were talking behind the scenes a minute ago, and you just said that, you know, whether I'm meant to say that or not, but you said, if I could run TV sales, you know, that's what I love doing. And I think that people that are clients of mine, and we've got uh, no doubt quite a few people on that are, you know, would have heard me talk many, many times about the importance of sales. I think for a, for a business owner that loves sales, you're going to have a much easier ride than a business owner that is terrified of sales. So if sales is a problem for you, if you're listening, that's something that you've got to get dealt with, right? And as soon as you do deal with it, you're going to get yourself in a much, much, much better place. What's your take on it, uh, Joanna? What would you say? There's a couple of things there. I would say, first and foremost, if you passionately believe that you've got the best product for those customers and that you only sell to people that need your service and would benefit from your service, you actually don't have to sell it at all. If you're passionate, you're evangelizing about it, aren't you? And you're connecting with the people who would benefit from using you. And then it's not really sales. And to me, that just makes so much sense. If you can look people in the eye and say, I know exactly that we will deliver what it says on the tin, that's half your job. The most difficult sales jobs is when you don't believe in the product and you're just trying to sell it to hit your numbers. And that must be so destroying to have to have to be doing that. So I was, for non-sales people, I would say, go and understand your product, understand your market, do your, you know, the, the traditional risk analysis, the, the benefits and the positives and everything, and then just go and evangelize about it and just be yourself. <laughs> I, love, I love the language, go and evangelize about it. Not yeah. Yeah, Don't but, sell it. This you don't know. need to sell if you understand your market and understand your product. Yeah. Another thing that I often say is that conversations grow businesses, right? And the more conversations that you have, the more opportunities you're going to get. And that's exactly what you're saying there, isn't it? The more you go and talk about your business, the more you go and promote it, the more that you embrace it, the more that you're going to be able to you know, draw those clients. You've obviously worked within the business now and you've been building it up and you took over as CEO four years ago, right? Why is it they picked you, Joanna? What did they see in you as the CEO? Why were they so confident you were going to be the person and take it forward as you have? Oh, now then. So it's like writing my own CV here, isn't it? I would hope that what they saw in me was somebody that the founders could trust to take the business forward. They've always been very, very good at stepping back and thinking, what am I good at and what are the skill sets that we need as our team? And where are the gaps? And hire people that are better than them to go and do that job. So I hope that they saw in me the skill set to go and actually take the business to the next level. And I think probably the relationships that I've built with lots of our corporate clients and the understanding of our smaller businesses actually in the past has, has really helped to do that. You've got to be careful, haven't you, as you scale a business that you don't ruin its DNA. We've scaled fast and we've been particularly busy over the past 12, 18 months. Clients are so precious, aren't they? And you can't do the right thing all the time. But we just believe that you've got to walk in good client's shoes and understand things from their perspective. So hopefully it's that deep understanding of the business and what our clients actually want and what it takes to trust us as well. You know, what Gavin's saying, he used to give us his telephone calls. That's, would you give me your mobile phone to answer now? No, probably not likely. Um, but that's the level of trust that we're having. And I think Ed and Rachel saw that in me, that I understood what it was to be a customer. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So in terms of you, you know, building the business up, we've got a lot of people on that are all different size businesses, some that uh, are growing businesses, they're early businesses. But like you said, this business was very small at the start. What do you think for a business owner, having seen that transition of growing from a small business into a big business, what would you say some of the lessons for you have been? What were some of the key lessons that you've learned along the way? I would say it's always about what's your magic sauce and do you know what its ingredients are? Because as you scale and you you employ more people and you trust other people to represent you, go back to that org chart that's got your name on everything. Well, it's all at 100%, isn't it? Because you haven't had to dilute it by telling anybody else. So when you can, this is a, this is a big learning for us, try and bottle your secret sauce, write it down, write down all those little nuances that make you an unusual unique business so that when you are hiring you can pass that dna on to others and i think that helps you scale without making mistakes you have that's to trust really people around tip. you yeah that's a really really good tip and, and the reason i say it's a really good tip is because you know i haven't been in a business that's grown very very fast like so i was a you know fast track sunday times business of growing massively when you do bring and you start to bring lots and lots of people on you if you don't set the culture the people that you bring in set the culture. And believe me, you don't want them setting the culture. You want to be setting the culture yourself, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, because otherwise you'll end up with a culture you don't like. So I think it's a really, really good tip, that especially for a small business owner, anyone you bring into your team, you've got to sell them the business. You've got to get them believing in the business, haven't you? And if they believe in the business, they're going to go and sell it more effectively. That's right, yeah. Yeah. To go back to that point as well, I think, as businesses that have been operating remotely, I mean, we've still got most of our people remote now. We've got about 350 in the office because we've recruited so many since lockdown started. But if you think, as a business, we've grown and changed in a period of time, then actually most people aren't in the office. And so for all of us going back into our offices or whatever our new model looks like, we're going to all have to go through this period of pain to say, what was my DNA and what was I, you know, February 2020? How far away have we shifted? And what am I going to do to go and get us back in the right lane? Because there's absolutely no doubt things will have happened to all our businesses and our people that just takes us off track ever so slightly. And I think it's about having a very, very clear vision about how you're going to get back in your lane. Absolutely. And from a business to scale from, as you say, to 26,000 clients, it sounds as if you've used business acquisitions very, very clever in a clever way to go and grow that business. But I'd love to talk to you a bit about the marketing, the branding, obviously, as we spoke about, certainly on point. What about marketing for you, Joanna? You know, how do you, over, do you oversee that? Have you got a great marketing team that you get involved with? Do you, a CEO, do you contribute to the marketing ideas? I'd love to see you hear your take on that. Yes, the team would absolutely agree I contribute to their marketing ideas. Less so over time, they'll be pleased to hear. The branding, the way that Money Penny's portrayed has always been a big passion of anybody in the leadership teams because what we want is transparency. We only want to market what we actually are. People could say that they're all sorts, couldn't they? You could come up with a list of benefits and USBs about your business, but are they actually true and do you live and breathe them as your values? So for me, marketing has to be a reflection of the service that you offer. We built our business on direct mail, actually. Uh, how many Yeah, how many could we afford to send out that week and just plow money back into direct mail? Now, you know, you, we sit back, we've done radio campaigns right in the middle of lockdown. We took a huge risk and did a full £120,000 national media campaign when nobody else was booking advertising. And that, we've just had the courage and the confidence to go and do that. 
our marketing director is she's fantastic. We've got a great marketing team, many of them that's been in for a very, very long time. And I think now we're braver about going to try new messaging, going down different channels, partly because I back off and people that have been there a long time back off and we're we're now going to try different ways to market. So but for me, the best moment is like the comments that come up here. The best moment is talking to a room full of lawyers or talking to a room full of small businesses and people put their hands up and say, I'm a client and I think you're brilliant. That is the best marketing you could possibly have because it's true and honest, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I think it's really interesting you built off a of direct mail. I think in today's world, and don't get me wrong, we train social media, we've used social media, I've used social media to grow quite a few businesses very, very effectively. Um, but one thing that people won't realize is that we've used all different types of marketing. Like I'm a big believer in testing. So I want to test everything because, you know, it's something that sometimes it's that marketing method that you haven't used. And especially, you know, one of the things I've said is like that cross-pollination. If you, one of the benefits I get from working with a lot of businesses is seeing what all different businesses use. And sometimes you can take an idea in one industry, put it into another industry, and it can be explosive because no, they've never done it before. It's never been done like that. And direct mail is something that we used a, a tremendous amount. And is it something you still do to this day or is it something that you've... Oh, we do. How, yeah. how much post lands on your desk now? How much business mail? Hardly anything. So yeah. actually, you really can stand out. You've got to make sure it's relevant and that people are in market and that clearly that you're doing your lists properly. But particularly as we sell into sectors as well. So I've always said, be a participant, be an active participant in a sector rather than a supplier. Be a player. Understand the market. Know who's who. Who are the advocates? Who do we need to talk to? And what are their pain points? So we do a lot of sector-based marketing, which is stood us in really, really good stead. And yeah, we still carry on with those now. And do you analyze the business and look at who your best clients are in what sectors and look to go and replicate those sectors and get more people on? Lovely, lovely. Love it. Very, very because this is the sort of thing that I'll try and talk to people about doing is exactly what I'd say to them to do. And it's really interesting to hear CEO of, you know, a great business going B2B, getting new clients using those methodologies. It's amazing. Really. That's the basics. There's no magic button, is there? There's no, no. Magic, magic button that gets you from 20 employees to 1,200, up to 50, 60 million turnover. It's doing the basics, doing them well, not thinking that there's one big, clever, magic fix out there because there isn't. I it's only 1%. So I'm a real believer it's in the 1%. It's in the marginal gains and just keep oh, going. That. Yeah, I love that. Okay, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guidance uh, uh, for the people listening today. I think we've got a few people, you know, um, actually saying about that, you know, for small business, they've actually asked, would you recommend that for a small business, Jan? I'd be interested to hear what you'd say to that. Direct mail for a small business out there right now. Would you say it's a good opportunity for a small business? I would say, first of all, who's your target market? And is mail the way to reach your target market? And if you think that they are sitting at their desks now in the office, ready to receive the mail, absolutely. How many people are doing that? I don't know. You know, that's that's the data at the moment. You need to make sure that we've done them um, directors at home mail as well in some instances, which has worked to a degree. Just Everybody's different, aren't they? There's no one size or fits all approach to any of our sectors or any of our businesses. But yeah, certainly if it feels, it's about gut feel, isn't it? And don't you think sometimes people go to, well, the book says not to do that. But, but does your gut feel tell you that actually that might be good to test and try? Well, go yeah. and do it. Nobody knows your business like, like the business owner. 
No, absolutely. I think testing is massive. You know, absolutely testing and testing new methods is huge for any business. And it sounds like you, you certainly embrace that. So when you did the national media campaign, you took that big risk. You know, how did that turn out for you then? Was it, it was good? Yeah, it was really good. We had a positive ROI from it within a three-month period. We also went and did radio campaigns as well at the same time. At this particular moment, business leaders are taking a step back, aren't they, and saying, okay, I managed to create this remote working model in, what, three weeks? What does my business look like going forward? And I think any kind of marketing or pertinent messaging right now that can hit the minds of different businesses doing things in different ways was always going to hit the mark. It was about being brave enough to try it. Going into different subjects slightly, but who does money suit as a business? What type of business owners do you think benefits? Like when you talk about knowing your proposition and understanding your business model, for you, who would you say is a real good candidate for using that service? I'd be really interested to hear, you know, where it fits. It's, it's really funny because actually it could be anybody with a telephone or anybody with a website that wants to do live chat or anybody for whom new customers are important to them or anybody yeah. that wants to go walk the dog at three o'clock on a Tuesday or pick the kids up and they just want some support. What I would say is that there are other alternatives. You know, you could go and put an answering machine on, you could close the front door and not let anybody in. Yeah. So for me, it's a mindset that actually it's the people for whom brand is important to them for whom there might be a high cost of a lost call. You know, if you're an estate agent or selling a car or something and you miss that phone call, it could be thousands that you've lost. So for me, it's not just about the call. It's about the value of the call that's coming in, why your brand's important to you. If you're going to go and spend money on advertising somewhere and then not bother to either look after your web visitors, because it's your shop at the end of the day, isn't it? So welcome them in, take their name and address, make sure you've got that data captured. Uh, If you're not going to bother doing that, you're not going to bother answering the phone, then don't bother spending the marketing money. It's this whole circle, isn't it? It's a flywheel. What's the point in spending it here if it's just going to fall down here? It's about making sure your process is right. So, sorry, there's no big one answer to that question. Well, I know. It's interesting. To, I, mean, I know as, a, as an objection, which I'm trying to and, and really educate the audience of why this kind of thing really is important, right? I know from an objection, there is a feeling for some business owners that nobody quite answers the inquiry the way they would. However, my argument would always be, if you're going to take five hours to answer it and somebody's going to do it instantly, then there's a lot more value in the instant than a slightly different type of text, right? Because business is about speed. And, you know, in the consumer market today, this is my opinion, and I'll, I, I would imagine that you're probably aligned with that, but, you know, it's all about speed. If you've got an inquiry, somebody in the moment is looking to buy, well, they're in the moment. And if you give them, you know, four hours, they're going to be on to the next website or they're going to be on to the next business making an inquiry, and the person that's the fastest doesn't mean they're the best, might walk away with the business. That's right. That's- and I think we can really see a shift in consumer behavior as well, particularly if you look at live chat stats and times of day that phones are answered. We're 24-7. You can see the behaviors now of lockdown, for example, in that these websites are so much busier in the evenings. Our yeah. business owners really sat there staffing their websites in the evenings. No, they're not. They're having a glass of wine or whatever, and, and they're doing something else instead. So, you know, so it's about being present, isn't it, for your customers? I would say for the people that say I can do it better myself, I would say that's fantastic. You go and try and get it. 
So try and answer the phone, try and do the live chat. And if you can't get to it, it comes over to us automatically anyway. It's almost like this insurance policy in the back, isn't it? It makes 100 calls a month and you can answer 95 of them by yourself. That's absolutely brilliant. So let's do the other five. Good. That's a brilliant way of describing it, which is really good. Okay, so in terms of a small business owner going and growing their business, you were talking about culture. I think that's really, really important. How does a small business owner, from your perspective, Jana, build a culture into their business, no matter what size they are? How do they start that process? And how did you sort of start that process over the course of the 16 years within this business? I would say that our ethos has always been, as I mentioned earlier, put yourself in the shoes of a customer to deal with this business. You know, what kind of supplier do I want to have? And if I work for this business, how do I want to feel? Um, If you really take a step back and be quite emotional about it and connect with that question and think, okay, I want to feel cared for. I want to feel special. I don't want to feel like a number. I want people to care about my mental health and how my family are. And whether or not, you know, I need extra days to do X, Y, and Z because I'm struggling in the world and that I want to go and be better in my job. I want training, et cetera. So put yourself in the shoes of that person. I think, what do I want? You can't fake culture, can you? It's either there or it's not. I think it just starts with being nice to everybody. There's so many businesses, but, you know, there's this tiered approach and there's you know you've got us and them you've got special car parking spaces special laptops for management come on you know i think that whole world's gone now all we are is one jigsaw piece in our business recognize that without you it could still operate actually and just have this respect for people if you can just get the respect kindness safety stability i think you'll start a really good culture without trying to be too clever about it but be consistent with it as well. There's no point being kind on a Monday and become an idiot on a Thursday. You've got to be consistent. Nice. As a CEO, I'd love to, to get a you know a few time tips, time management tips, and you know how how you manage your time if if you'd like to share those because I just feel that a lot of business owners especially small business owners, well, a lot of the time tell you too busy. You know, they're busy, too busy for this, too busy for that. And they're not allocating or managing their time in the right way. That's a really common problem. And obviously being somebody that was really successful in sales within the business and then moved up to CEO, what's that transition been like? And how do you manage and organize yourself differently nowadays? You know, I've always been really good at is finding people around me that are better than me at doing a task. So if I'm an overall I don't know. I can have a good overview. Find somebody who's brilliant at this and brilliant at that and leave them be. I've always said, hire the right person and take your time over it. When we talk about failures, it's when you hire too quickly, isn't it? And repent at leisure. Um, find the right person and then put them, give them the skill set and the resources and the confidence and the safety blanket. Put them into a vacuum and say, I'm off doing this over here. Good luck. I'm here if you need me. I'll catch you if you fall but I trust you to go make mistakes. And so as a leader, then you are freeing up your time all the time. A very good friend asked me when I first got my CEO role and said, what are you going to do differently in this job? And I said, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to come out of a meeting with no actions because if I take an action, it means that I have not trusted my team to go and do it. And my best day is coming into the office and thinking, what will I do today? Because it means I can focus on the future. I can go and still do some business development, which I love. 
And it means that other people know exactly what their jobs are. And I'm here to help them when they need me rather than micromanage and get involved when they just they just don't need that level of support. So I do find, says no CEO ever, that I do have time to be proactive. I do have time to work on the business. I do have time to talk to customers. And it's because I trust everybody around me because they're so much better at me than if I did that job myself. Absolutely. I think one of the things, what you said, not leaving a meeting with an action is a really, really important thing for a CEO because it's very, very easy to take everything on. I'll get that done or, you know, we'll get that done or whatever with your team. And the reality is, you know, you want to be making sure those jobs go out to other people so they've got the freedom and they've got to go and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony's asked, we're going to do a couple of questions now. He's asked, what is the best tip for any business owner you think they must do? I mean, it's a generalized one, but you can try and answer that. Be close to your customers because they're the ones that are going to tell you the truth. Don't do surveys. Don't, you know, don't take somebody else's word for it. Phone your customer and ask them how you're doing and give them the opportunity to tell you one thing that, that you could do better. If you say, how can I help you anymore? A customer might say, oh, no, we're fine, thank you. And if you say, tell me one thing that I can do to make life better for you and make us a better supplier, everybody will always come up with one thing. So that's really worked for us in the past. It's a brilliant question and it always gets a good answer. That's a, br- that's a brilliant business growth tip there, everybody. So you want to be taking that one down because, you know, I think it was Bill Gates that said the greatest source of learning is in your complaints department. That's not a complaint. You know, that's actually, you know, really getting deep and understanding how you can improve the business. And Anthony, who's asked the question, I, I know for a fact that he has got um, – literally thousands of clients and um because he's got a personalized business he sends out uh, personalized items he's one of our clients he's got thousands of clients i'd ask you have you done that anthony right have you spoken to your clients have you have you had that touch point with them we've got funnily enough got another question in um and this is from a fellow ceo he's fellow ceo and another one of our clients mark and a good friend of mine said how do you tailor services to each client i run a bespoke business and our clients expect a tailored service which probably fits with what you do, Joanna, to a degree, doesn't it? You know, because uh, you, you've got quite a tailored model, haven't you, I believe? Yeah, absolutely. It's about taking the time to understand what the customer needs as an outcome. You know, what's the purpose of the call and what's the key things that we need to get from it? Every business is unique. But what we'll always be is we treat ourselves like a new startup with a, you know, with our learning curve as steep as possible because we're used to asking the questions that that mean that we can get under the skin of the business but to me it all starts with giving that business the right pa the right money penny pa who has got a personality who who would be employed if they went along for a job interview so if you start by matching the right customer to the right pa and they've got this level of understanding about the business then actually the PA gets their head around, okay, this is what the client's expectations are out of this conversation. And therefore, I know how to structure that conversation in order to get those right outcomes. And it's all down to industry knowledge as well. So different clients go into different sectors. We've got healthcare, legal, property, finance. And it's about giving the client the best team who will do the best job for them. Awesome. So great answer there. Really getting under the skin of the client. Got just one. <laughs> so I've got a random one here from Mr. Jones. Is but Joanna, do you own any cryptocurrency? It's a random question, but we can no. ask. You don't. No, I, I don't. But I've got a seventeen-year-old son, and he announced to me the other uh, yesterday. He says I've invested fifty pounds in Bitcoin or something. Right. Okay. 
closest I've got. That's the closest should you've got. Should I? There you go. Should I? And, and how on earth you going to ask a question about Mr. Jones? So that's uh, an interesting one, you know. Uh, no doubt. I'm sure he'll recommend that. <laughs> Something's telling me. I'm getting that feeling there. So we've got a question from Gavin. I don't know if it's something you do within your business, Joanna, but I imagine that it would have been something across the 16 years that you would have done, especially having a sales background. He's asked, any tips on cold calling for new business? I procrastinate too much and get major anxiety. And uh, Mark Hughes has said he's signing up to Money Penny. You've convinced him to give it a go. So that's awesome. Um, tips for cold calling. Don't cold call. <laughs> you know, yeah. Warm it up first. Nice. You know? Why does it need to be off a list? If you're if you've done the right homework and you think here's my subset of very engaged people, send them a letter. We do money penny socks, by the way, and so we just send people socks. They put pictures of it on Instagram, etc., and just grabs people's attention. We've um, I don't know if you know, but we're in uh, Wrexham. We've been Wrexham Football Club. We've been invested in by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McMahon, whatever, uh, yeah. and we did them some socks as well. So I'd say warm up the lead and then call them and then don't be anxious about it because you've sent them a present or you've sent them something actually that's going to benefit their business. So be be loud and proud about what you've got to say to them. I love that. Warm it up. And there's so many ways, not just direct mail. You can use LinkedIn in a big way to warm it up, you know, as well. Social media campaigns, all sorts. Yeah, not direct mail. Yeah. Get it nice, nice and warm up. Oh, brilliant. Well, Joanna, you've been a wonderful guest, I think, and I've uh, really enjoyed it. If you're listening to the podcast tonight, you haven't already subscribed. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, go and give us a nice five star review so we can get even more great guests like Joanna, who's been wonderful, giving some great advice. And for everyone listening, where can they check you check out the business, Joanna? Is it moneypenny.com? Go to moneypenny.com, absolutely. Um, for your live chat, telephone calls, whatever your business needs. Still in sales. I thought you might have done that before. <laughs> right, so I'll put that in the chat. Go and check out moneypenny.com. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant answering service, live chat answering, telephone answering service that's helping 26,000 small businesses. Joanna, thank you very much for joining us tonight. You've been wonderful. Hey, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on itunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and i'll see you very very soon thank you